Greetings from 12 Stone Church. This is the fourth message in the series entitled Pray Like Jesus. Please enjoy this teaching by Pastor Kevin Myers. All right, prayer. All earthly things with earth will fade away. The prayer grasps eternity. It always startles me that the disciples never said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to preach. They heard the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest man that ever lived, the Sermon on the Mount, and yet not one of them ever said, Lord, teach me to preach. They never said, Lord, teach us to do miracles. They did say, Lord, teach us to pray. Well, I'll tell you. If there's any prayer that needs to be prayed in the Church of God today, as far as I'm concerned, it is, Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer is not a position on your knees. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. We have been in the Pray Like Jesus series, and we decided with all the questions that were coming in that we needed to have a bonus week, a, a week four, a Q&A town hall sort of environment where we've gathered your questions as well as some questions from some small groups. Now, remember where we've been. Jesus, who knew the most, prayed the most. So if you knew what Jesus knew, you'd pray like Jesus prayed. We often think too little of prayer to give it big time, and yet Jesus thought too large, too big of prayer to give it little time. So what did he know? Well, that's where we've been the last three weeks. And the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And he delivered the Lord's prayer, our Father in heaven. It's where the series started. In other words, prayer is rooted in relationship. And so the assumption of prayer is that you have a relationship with God and you know he's your father. Then hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sean unpacked what it means for us to be so set in the worldview, the biblical worldview, God's view of the world, which is reality, that we would desire to have God's will on earth because that would be heaven, just as it is in heaven. We want God's will, God's way. And then Jesus got really practical. He got into the areas of our life, like the material world. He understands, give us today our daily bread. So prayer would be a continual process of engaging him in the most practical things of life, like finance and providing and family. But then your prayer would go deeper into relationship. It would cover things like forgiveness. See, we know that there are rifts in relationship and you need forgiveness from God that knits that relationship through Jesus, but we need forgiveness from one another. So God forgive us just like we forgive others. We talked about that in the previous weekend. And then lead us not to temptation. In other words, don't let us, don't let us stumble into such heavy tests that we become ensnared by Satan. Deliver us from the evil one. Well, that's where we've been. But usually when we do series like this, I, I get to talk about what I think is most helpful. This is your chance to talk about what you think would be most helpful. So we'll get into maybe theology. We'll probably get into some really practical stuff. We'll try and mix it all together. 
and I have Jason with me and Travis with me. But more importantly, more importantly, I have a bunch of 12 stoners with me. I have probably eight, nine, ten small groups. So y'all excited to be here? Come on, let them hear from you. We're excited to be here. We're all ready for this. So we're going to talk together. So Jason, come on up. Travis, come on up. Find your spot. Let's go. Uh, you guys have had some time to think about it uh, this past week. We're just going to Q&A together, town hall environment, and let's see where it takes us. Let's see if we can be helpful. Let's talk. Let's get a first question. Let's get a hands up. Uh, all right, here we go. Hey, PK. Uh, my question for you is, as um, I'm getting ready for marriage, how do I, as the man, lead my wife, um, my soon-to-be wife, into uh, prayer time or, or getting engaged with the Bible as we move into marriage and stuff like that? So you're, you're engaged to be married. Yes. Has, a date be, has a date been set? September 1st. Come on, everybody. Let's give it up. Congratulations. Is, is your beautiful wife here with you? I pres- oh, here she- oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> now, you're, you're glad he's asking the question, right? You're like, come on, my man. <laughs> Here's the, here's the problem with you asking the question. I'm so glad you did. Here's the problem. She's going to know the answer. <laughs> so it's not going to be any secret now. What will you go do? And it's really a, a great question. All of us are figuring this out. And let me start the answer this way. This is not something you land and you're done. This is a relationship. So just like marriage, you go through phases. You mature the relationship. You develop it. Same thing when it comes to your relationship with God. So when you're getting married, it's not just two people. It's two people coming together with God. So in that sense, you could say it's the three of us. So you make him as much a part of your relationship as you would the two of you. And as we've talked about this before, you talk to him. You have dialogue with him. So you would pray with her and she would pray with you. And, and I'm going to assume now that let, let's say you get married. Let's say you have kids. Let's, I know you're dreaming of those things. Let's talk to everybody. Let's not go too far in your mind. Okay, let's just keep it. But, but, but let, let, let's play it out a little bit. Okay, you're in a dating relationship. You, you can start this when you go home tonight. If you've never prayed together, it's going to feel awkward the first few times. Don't worry about it. Say, look, I feel awkward, but we're going to do this because God's right here in the car with us. Remember, we gave that picture of us being in relationship with him. So just, I, I just want to pray for you. I'm going to drop you off tonight. I'm going to say, God, would you, would you give her great sleep? Would you give her a great day tomorrow? Hey, honey, tell me the things that are weighing on you. What, what, what's burdening you? How can, how can I pray for you? And, and when something good's happening, let's just take a moment right now. God, thank you for the good things you've done. This is awesome. Keep it that simply profound. When you get in family, do the same thing. And I know I'm talking to all of us here, but, but we use uh, Romans, Romans 12. Weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. What it means is this. Take the dynamics of what are going on in your relationship emotionally, the normal things, the highs, the lows, and the in-betweens, and talk to God about those things. Those are a matter of prayer. He's intimately engaged with you. Then put some some positive heart habitual things. Maybe it's in the morning. That's what I said I do with my own kids. In the morning, consistent time of prayer. Marsha and I, consistent time when we go to bed. We just kind of know we're both going to be there. So so we'll pray with each other, pray over each other, what's going on in your life. But when there are intense times, like rejoice and weep, we'll stop right there and, and pray through something. So if something great has happened, let's thank God and let's be specific. 
When something really weighty, like you get bad news, you didn't get the job, you lost your job. And I thought this house deal was gonna come through and you've been praying about it. You thought, man, God, this is a given. One of your kids ends up in the hospital and you're crushed. We, see, we see in the life of Jesus an intensity in his prayer when he was going into the Garden of Gethsemane. There was great intensity. It, you can bring the emotional intensity of something you're traveling through and you should bring that into the family. But honestly, you should both be doing this in the marriage relationship and in the family. So put some markers when you pray consistently and then make prayer a normal part. Now we can keep talking about that, but I hope that kind of gets to your, uh, to your question. And by the way, you, you got, right, you, you can, anything I missed, you can just slip it to him on the way home, okay? You can say, that was an okay answer, but he, PK missed two or three things. <laughs> Now, we can stay on that subject if you, if you have some more uh, on that, or we can jump to, to something else. Okay? Let's keep going. A follow-up to that, or go ahead. Let's, uh, let, yeah, let's let Jason catch up. He's a little slow. So with having children, is uh-huh. that another way that you would bring that in, just stopping in the moment with the kids and beginning to teach them that? Yes. Is, that another, is there any other practical ways that you would say with young children to begin to bring that in to make it natural for them, that that's what they want to stop and do when something happens? Yes, and I'll get specific in this sense. First of all, kids need routine. You raise your kids with routine. The younger they are, the more you put rhythm and routine, rhythm and routine. Is that fair? So because of that, you make prayer rhythm and routine as well. And when you're raising your kids, you keep things simple and you add complexity with their age. Is that correct? Correct. Then you do the same thing with prayer. So the prayer is, thank you, Jesus. That's it. Like half the prayers are, thank you, Jesus. They get a new toy. What do you say to God for that? What do you say? Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Do they know what they're doing? Not yet. Not yet. But you're going to say, say, thank you to mama. Right. Say, thank you to Jesus. You go to the, the, to the table for food. So, well, we, we thank Jesus for the food. Now, that habit, as they get older, you can give explanation to. You're going to add complexity to it. So when my kids would go to school, the weight of the prayer is equal to their stage of life. How much weight do they really have in kindergarten? Well, to them, it's friends. Friends is the most complicated thing usually, and maybe the ABCs. Hey, how you doing with the ABCs? Oh, mommy, daddy, I I think I got them. Well, I'm going to pray that Jesus will help you remember all that you've studied. You're doing great. How's your friendship? Oh, Billy doesn't like me. You know what? Let's pray for Billy. God, Bobby and Billy here, they're trying to build. if, If you practice it and then it increases... Your praying with them increases with the complexity of their life. You know what breaks down for most people? They've learned how to pray simple and they didn't develop it as they matured. And so they become adults and they didn't mature their prayer life equal to the complexity of their issues. And you can and you should, but that's more to kids. Is that, is that to no, your that's question? that's great. Yes, okay. no, that's perfect. Great question. Okay, so when you're caught in a situation that is outside of your control and it's been going on for years and years, and it just seems like it's dragging out. How do you balance praying in faith versus releasing it to God's will and just trusting that he's got it and not keep bringing it back and back? Okay. First of all, let's, let's go to a higher answer and then bring it down practical. Because okay. you asked, how do you trust God knowing that he has it? 
So let's, let's start with God because the very basis of prayer is this, our Father, right? Remember, we have to, have to so the beginning of prayer is, is, is based on our Father. Right. He has sovereign control. So your faith starts there. So it's not whether or not he has it in control, it's whether or not you trust him. But, you trusting or not trusting doesn't change whether or not he has it. But do you keep bringing it back to him over okay, and that, over? And that's a great question. So I'm going to come to that. Okay. So now that you know he has it in control, mm-hmm. then you take it to the next level. What can you control and what can't you control? Okay. And while you pray about both, you don't worry about both. Right. Listen, okay. you pray about both. You don't worry about both. Okay. The things you can do, you have to do. The things you can't do that are outside your control, you can do nothing about. Now, when God doesn't seem to be changing it, Mm -hmm. it's often, stay with me, it's often because it involves somebody else's will, he will not overstep. Mm -hmm. We get messed up in this stuff a lot. We're like, oh God, I love my freedom. Mm -hmm. Because he gave you a will, didn't he? Everybody? Yes? So can you dismiss God if you want? Could yes. you not pray? If you prefer not to pray, could you spend your whole life and never pray? Yes. 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 Can God tell you in his word what would be truthful, honest, and good and right to do? And you say, eh, don't feel like it. Yes? Yes. Don't other people have the same opportunity? Yes. So when you're praying for the will of God in somebody else's life, can they say no thank you? Yes. A lot of our prayers are for God to do something in somebody's life that he will uniquely draw them in a way he otherwise would not because you pray, but they are still choosing to exercise their own will. So I prayed for years for my parents to get back together. Really? So can I say, well, God, you didn't bring bring that about. Well, sure I can, but could he have? Stay with me. I'm going to say no. If my dad didn't want that relationship to be right, the answer is no. Right. If my mom didn't want that relationship right, the answer is no. You, can, you can't have a God who gives you free will and then get mad because he honors it. <laughs> right? Yeah. However, I also know that the power of God is uniquely unleashed on the people you're praying for. Stay with me. Stay with me. And... If they would go this far from God, if we're moving across here and they're like, oh, they're this far from God, a whole lot of times your prayers are keeping them from going way down there. You have no idea how many prayers God's answering that you can't yet see. A lot of times it's for a restoration that may never happen, but you could get to a commonality that at least removes the battling, the fighting, the anger, the ugliness. Mm -hmm. That may not be complete restoration, but it can be less than war. Right. Okay? Okay. Now, the other thing God will do, because you're the one praying what you can't control, God will do something in you that'll put you at peace. That's why he says the peace that passes all understanding. So how do you keep bringing things back to God? So I'm going to give you two two elements now and apply it. The first one is I say, God, give me peace that I don't have. That's uh, the Philippians 4, you know, peace that passes all understanding, guard mm-hmm. your hearts and minds. So what does he mean by guard your hearts and mind? Think of it as him like putting a, a guard, like a security guard that stands outside your heart and stands outside your mind. Right. So imagine the evil one is coming to kind of torture you with desperate fear, mm-hmm. with insecurity, with like it's all going to go ugly. And as he comes toward you, he tries to get in your heart and God posts a guard there that he can't get through. And then he posts one at your mind. So when Paul says, guarding your hearts and minds, it means that so that the evil one can't get past the security guard. 
right. so that it can't get in you, so that he protects a peace that you would not otherwise have. So God, I'm gonna need you to give me a peace. The other thing is, God, I'm gonna keep praying because I have no idea when the cumulative impact of your encouraging spirit might turn all of this. Mm. I okay. don't know when. I just have an optimistic faith right. with a God who's gracious and powerful. And let's be candid. Let's say it's a salvation issue. Let's say you're praying for somebody like, I just keep praying for them to come to Jesus and they don't yet. And they, I'm, I'm gonna say this wrong, but I want it to come <laughs> out right. If they're not dead, keep praying. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's not over. Because how long do they have? Well, the, the thief on the cross was like minutes away from eternity. Forgiven. I mean, okay. Is that answered prayer? Yes, it is. Do I understand the full weight and depth and breadth of all? No, I don't, but I'm not going to stop. So if, if, if you don't have a situation that you feel the weight of what Jennifer, your question just was to all of us, then you're not breathing. I don't know how you could not have that question because I still have those. All of us do because in real life, you have circumstances beyond your control and you wonder, should I keep bringing it to God? Yes, yes, but he'll give you a peace. And there's a difference between restless prayer and faith-filled prayer. One is rooted in peace. One is rooted in panic. Those are two different prayers. Anyhow, I hope we got it to it. If not, you got follow-up questions, you or anybody else. Okay. Yeah. Oh, now you're working, Travis. Oh, you are, you, you are working. Look, two are up at the same time. Look at oh. ladies first. I'll give it up for the gentleman. I, that wasn't even practice. That wasn't even practice. Let's make sure that gets in and gets seen. Okay. Come on. So this is kind of like a follow-up on what she just asked. Uh-huh. But what do you do when a non-believer or unbeliever, whatever you call it, says to you as a believer... For instance, I'm sick and I need you to pray because you know God. Uh How do you explain to that person that you may not get exactly what you want because that may not be God's will or you might be participating in in it not happening because of your unbelief? Okay. So I get that a lot. People saying, can you pray for me? And they expect something to happen. So it becomes pressure because if, if that person isn't healed, it's like, so you prayed and your God didn't do it. You know, what do you do? Excellent question. Just excellent question. Um, let me give you a few thoughts. This certainly isn't the answer, but I'm gonna give you a few thoughts. First of all, the fact that they're asking you reveals their desperation, God drawing them and an opportunity that is beautiful for the kingdom. Uh-huh. Therefore, your first answer is, well, of course I can. Of course I can. I'll be happy to, let me, let me pray for you. By the way, would it embarrass you if I pray for you right now? Because there's other people looking. Do you, would you like to go off in the corner? Or could we pray somewhere else? Or would you just prefer I pray for you, but not right here while you're with me? Mm-hmm. Do, do, now, did, I want you to make sure you saw some. Did you see how I affirmed them and asked for permission? I want to make sure everybody saw that. Because yes. that's yes. very practical. Mm-hmm. I affirmed you. Well, let's say I'm the believer. For now, you're the unbeliever. Okay. Okay. I affirmed you, but I asked for permission. Yes. And I made it easy for you to say, well, just pray for me somewhere else. Okay. I said, great. I'll be happy to. I'll be happy to. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to come back and talk to you. I want to know how you're doing. Now, in order for me to pray best, tell me what's going on again. Now, what's the next thing that happens? Power of empathy. 
In this moment, I become the ear and the heart of God to her. Okay. I got to do that well. I'm not trying to rush to prayer because right now I have a moment of vulnerability and accessibility in the life of that person that is so precious and tender that that might be the entry point for God. Definitely. So I'm going to take full advantage of that. So mm-hmm. tell me again what's going on. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Okay, good. I'll know how to pray. I'll pray for you. I'll pray with you. Okay, now that you know how to pray and you, and you know what you're going to say, what you want to say, pray later. I'm going to come back and talk to you in a week. Now, let me help us all with something. You ready? How many ever feel pressure for God to answer prayer? Come on, hands up, all across 12 stone, okay? Let it go. Let, listen, God can handle the pressure. I'm telling you, God's not up there. Can you see the Father? Jesus, I don't, I, I, I'm so busy, I can't handle all of them. And Jesus yeah. is like, I am up to here with prayers. I've answered all I can. Holy Spirit, you got any time? No, no. Y'all came back here and sent me. Who do you think's down there doing all the counseling? These guys are nuts. I got no time. And you're like, oh, Gabriel, I'm going to need a few angels. This is really important. You're not under any pressure. God is. God's under all the pressure. If God wants to answer that prayer, and that be the way he draws that person. Have at it, God. Pressure's all on him. If he doesn't, he's doing something else. Okay. Now, what you can say to them is this. I prayed for you over the last, pretty faithfully, over the last two, three weeks. <sighs> feel anything changing for you? No, it's really not. Hmm. Well, let's talk about that. What, what were you hoping would happen? And, and I'll get in a conversation about God. You can get in a conversation about God. Mm-hmm. And just say, listen, just so you know, I'm happy to pray for you. I'm going to continue to pray for you. And, and God may answer this prayer the way you want him to down the road. And he may not. But here's what I know. I'm going to understand why he might not. That might not be real obvious to you. Yeah. If you ever want to know why God might not answer the prayer in the way you're asking, I'll be happy to talk to you. I have to do it now. And if you just want to say, well, your God ain't very powerful, don't really care about your God, all right. But do you see where yes. I'm, I'm just introducing them to God and I'm talking to God for them in hopes that that brings them in. All the pressure's off you and this is your witnessing opportunity. When we get in this conversation about live sent more and more as a church, we talked about on 30th anniversary and we're going to talk more and more. One of the most powerful tools that we have in witnessing is praying for other people. Because yes. people are carrying things they can't carry. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a powerful thing. Great question. All right. You, you were standing and you graciously sat down. Let's go. Yeah, this is really good, by the way, PK. Thank you. Good, good. Hope it helps Okay, us. let's talk about the Christian with disobedience uh-huh. or individual sin. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember a time where if I, wasn't dis, if, if I was disobedient, in my prayer life, it was almost the elephant in the room. Yeah almost a negative piece with God. You know, I'm praying about this, that, and whatever, but I'm, I know over in this corner there's something that I hadn't addressed. I've gotten beyond that, and I may be convicted early or doing my prayer, but what do you say to the young Christian who is experiencing that and is losing valuable time, intimate time yeah. in prayer, and, or just and completely mainly, omitting and, and, prayer? And mainly, first of all, 
man, I, I'm like, I got three things. <laughs> How do I get them? You just asked three things, okay, and they're all still good. Um, stay here, okay? okay? Travis, make sure I hit everything he says. I want to do something, okay? Uh, everybody write this down. Write down, uh, pray. Here's just another way to say it. Praise, repent, ask. And by the way, when you say ask, you can go A is ask, S, seek, K, knock. If you want to talk about like, okay, walk me through a prayer and why yield. Now, let's get, get to your question. What is clear in life, there's a very way, various ways to make prayer accessible, but here's one of them. When you pray, begin with praise. When you begin with praise, it puts the center on God and takes it off you and it's appropriate. The next thing is repent. The power of repent is you want to stay in communion and relationship with God. What you just described is exactly what happens. If there is a rift in the relationship, it becomes a block. By the way, that's true in marriage, right? That's true in dating, that's true in friendship. That's true at work. If you and, and a coworker have a blowout fight, like you are an idiot. You know it and I know. What jerk? I can't believe you. Like you blew the whole deal. We lost money. What, whoa, what is wrong with you? Okay, we, we go at each other, right? So, now, the next time we see each other, is it normal? No. So, so, what do, so listen, so one of two things happen at that moment one of two things we either confess deal with the elephant in the room or we put it under the rug and pretend those are the only two things you can do the so you either build ongoing open maturing authentic relationship or you develop more and more pretentious distant relationship that's true at work. That's true in marriage. That's true among family. That's true in the church. That's true with God. So what you were just describing is you start with praise. You get here and you go, ah, let's skip that. Let's go right to the ask, seek, and knock. The Holy Spirit will not allow you to engage him freely and authentically here because something in the way is in the way. And God doesn't do pretense. So you have two options. Either you keep asking, but you become less and less heart engaged when you ask, which now becomes mechanical. Now it becomes religious, mm. perfunctory. Mm. Now it's like, well, you, you know what? You're not answering me anyway, but I'll ask. See, prayer doesn't work. Yeah. What you're really doing is you're drifting and you're going to eventually quit praying because you don't want to yield. It's true in every relationship. It's why relationships grow cold. So you've had this experience. If, however, you will repent, he reveals and you're like, oh, again, I know, mm. I know. Listen, he, seven times 70, 7,000 times he'll forgive you. You're better off battling it through, fighting it through, yeah, forgive me. And it keeps this open and moving. So you said you've battled through that. But when you 
walk, praise, repent. By time you get ask, seek, and knock. And ask is you bring it to him persistently and consistently because he's your father. You seek. And the reason he says seek and it may be found, it means like the lost coin. You, You keep looking for it. So you're trying to discover your part, your contribution. God, help me find what you need to open. Knock and he'll open the door. And he gives the, 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 the parables that explain that. And then whatever his will is, you're ultimately going to yield to it. So the most important thing you want to help somebody understand is don't get down here and say, you ought to keep praying, you ought to keep praying. You want to back it up and say, what's broke that keeps you from communicating with God? Because usually it's things that are in the way that keep you from communicating in a marriage with your business partner, in the church, in a friendship, amongst family. So you can't, listen, I can't convince all of y'all, which is Southern for everybody. (laughs) I didn't know that before I moved down 30 years ago. To pray if you won't intimately engage and you live in pretense. The more pretense you have, the less you'll pray what I was getting at when I said I've learned to work through it. Right. It, I have um, been pushed to repent. So I, you know, I know that there was a fakeness or something, that elephant in the room that I was mm-hmm. speaking of, and it backed me up to step two. Yeah. So I learned to repent, but there yes. was valuable time wasted because it was, no, it, it was all pretense. It was no, it not. wasn't. Okay. How else did you learn it? Good point. We, we, want, <laughs> we want to learn things without learning it. Mm-hmm. That's not possible. There's no way to be mature without time. Mm-hmm. There's no way to know the wisdom of God without going through some valleys. There's no way to walk without falling. Mm-hmm. Not because God designed us that way, but because the nature of sin is that we learn the hard way. Mm-hmm. We were still designed to grow. But because of sin, we fall while we grow. Had we not sinned, we wouldn't have fallen we would have just continued to grow. Stay with me. We were always created to grow. So he's not, you didn't waste any time at all. You now know stuff you never would have known and you know it personally. So give people time to do the same. Good, great questions. Yeah. Um, Basically, I was praying, uh, I've been praying for quite some time on clarity about my future and my job. And I feel that I'm... I'm feeling really confused and lost and impatient. And my question was, when I'm in that position, do I is, is doubling down on my prayer? Is that just the answer? Is it that simple to just... And I think that my answer has been answered. Obviously, I think the answer is yes, but yes. Does, uh, maybe someone yes. else has, has a question where you just feel like you're not, you're not being heard. Yes. And I think it's God designed us to increase our intensity when the intensity is increased for us. Increase our intensity of prayer. So when Jesus said the disciples uh, when they couldn't cast out a demon, don't go to the story. Everybody's like, oh, how do you cast out a demon? Stay stay with it. That's a whole other direction. But Jesus said, some things come by prayer and fasting. What was he talking about? There are times in your life where you ask in a casual way, something that you don't understand what you asked. You ask God to give you a wisdom that you're not working toward, you're not obeying toward, and you're not maturing toward. And you can't ask God for wisdom that you can 
only get at the top of a mountain by sliding down into a valley. Most things that matter take climbing. You, you got to work. There's effort and energy. Now, what happens when, when I can't get somewhere and I begin to increase my prayer time? That means I got to start saying no to things. Stay with me. I got to start saying no to things. Usually I'm saying no to indulgence. I'm saying no to things I want to do. That's the first thing. So I'm cutting out a little bit of TV. I'm cutting out a little bit of recreation. I'm cutting out a little bit of me time. I'm cutting out a little bit of all about me. And if that's not getting me somewhere, then pretty soon I start cutting out other things. What's happening while I'm doing that? My focus is starting to move from a material-centered lifestyle to a spiritually-centered intensity. I need that process. I can't even see how casually I asked God to engage in something that is magnanimous in the kingdom and requires the move of the very hand of the divine in such a flippant way that I'm not even living out of that engagement of intensity. It, it, it's, it's, I, I don't know how many of you, but, but if you have a million dollars in the bank and nobody gave it to you and you had to earn it and it's after expenses and after taxes, I consider that to be a large sum of money. When somebody who has never earned anything says, well, just give me a million dollars. You're like, I can't even talk to you. <laughs> I can't even talk to you right? Because you know what it takes. We make million dollar prayers with $5 effort. God sometimes won't answer that prayer without taking you to intensity. So sometimes fasting and maturing and engaging the intensity and the persistence forms you. God isn't up there. Well, they finally got persistent enough. I'm going to do it. No, no. You finally got aligned enough. You can hear you can get wisdom. You can see what God's doing. I do feel that um, I feel that something's moving inside because I'm getting real uncomfortable. Yeah. And I feel like when God is getting ready to move me, he makes me uncomfortable enough to make me do that. And the longer you walk with him, the more you know those signs. Like he works with you uniquely. Like it's the same biblical principle, but I know in my spirit when God's starting to shift something. I can, oh, yeah, yeah. real funny Something's right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, and, and it, we're not there yet, but, but I can sense it. Mm -hmm. So any, I would encourage you to stay in the intensity until God either gives you peace or gives you the answer. Thank you so much. Great Thank question. You. So um, you've been praying and you get an answer, but how do you know the answer that you get is from God? Mm -hmm. Great question. The reason it's a great question, because many times when you don't know it's God, you don't thank God, you don't get encouraged in prayer, and you don't understand the value of that cycle of Father responding in a loving way and you be encouraged to pray more and more and more. So I think that's a really, really good question, at least for that reason and more. Here's how, here's how you know. First of all, every good and perfect gift comes from God. That, that's, what, that, that's what scripture reveals to us. So when you are praying about something, you're getting pretty specific, when you experience the answer to that, your, your conclusion is it's God, and it is. So first of all, on the ones you're praying for, the ones you're asking for, when God answers it, yes, everybody's like, what? How excited do you get when God like does a real answer to prayer? Like, oh my goodness, I got to tell everybody. That's spectacular. That's awesome when God does that. Equally, 
When you've been praying and it gets resolved, you know that was God. How do you know that? Because he said, if you'll pray, I'll answer. Yeah, but it wasn't the answer I wanted. No. He said, if you'll pray, I'll answer. Now, that, that may not mean he's all done. But I'll give you an example. My daughter, Julissa, just gave birth. Feel free to celebrate again <laughs> to my second grandchild, a boy, Myers, nine pounds, 10 ounces. Now, we gathered uh, at the church a couple of weeks ago. And she had some friends come in and we prayed over her because the baby was, was breech. And so she's not going to be able to birth natural. And that was really discouraging to her. And so we probably 15 of us gather around her and we began to pray, God, would you help turn the baby? And she's going to the doctor and, you know, she's having all these procedures. But while we prayed, there was a, there was a maturity in that prayer that said, now, God, if you know a reason why the baby should not turn, then, then we'll trust you. We'll trust you. You, you. You've made all these things possible. We'll trust you. Baby never turned. Very disappointing to her. You know, she had all this training, the doula. She got all ready. No. So C-section. The doctor came out and talked to Marsha and I after the C-section. And she said, I want you to know something. First of all, that was a nine pound, 10 ounce baby boy. Your daughter's way too small. Thank God in heaven. It was a C-section for your daughter's sake. Listen, the cord was wrapped around that boy in such a way that had she delivered that boy naturally, that boy would have been in trouble. Thank God he was breech. She had no idea the prayer that went on. You see that? Now we come to the other side and we sit down with Julissa and we say, listen, sweetheart, God answered that prayer. How do you know? Because he's a father. Who else would do that? Only him. That was his gracious engagement. Sometimes, you know, in your spirit, you're asking for something, you're wanting something and God uses somebody else and God confirms it or answers it through somebody else. Thank you, God. And sometimes it's a flat out no. Well, how do I know it's God? Because it's bigger than you and nothing's happening. (laughs) Okay, well, that's God. Now say with me, the difference between fatalism and faith is this. People who are fatalistic are not praying. God's not engaged with them and they have no idea how that and why that's happening. You have a father in heaven. That's why it begins. Our father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your will be done, right? Here on earth as it is in heaven. So you're praying. It's his answer. That's what you trust. That's the promise of God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So great question. Thanks for asking. Yeah. You know, as, as Christians, um, we like to say that we, we can have the courage and the faith of, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. But in real life... Um, how important is it to have those relationships to where you can lean on? We talk about small group and the power of prayer through small group and accountability partners and things of that nature. How important is it for us to maintain those relationships? Because in the darkness, if you're by yourself, yeah, you give up. When I quoted, uh, again, I believe it's Romans 12, somewhere around 15, 16, somewhere in there. Uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Let me, let me tell you why this is important you tend to lose God at either of those extremes. Mm. When things are going good, you become arrogant. When things are going bad, you become desperate. And you tend to drift from God in one of those two extremes. And what is Paul telling us? What is the Holy Spirit saying? Make sure you're in community, especially when you're rejoicing and when you're weeping. 
all the more. He, let me tell you what doesn't work. You're sitting here in a small group, right? Every, everybody in this room is in a small group. You can't get through rejoicing and be more intimate with God unless you're in community with other right. brothers and sisters in Christ because they keep you grounded. And you can't go through weeping and loss and setback and sorrow and disappointment unless you're in community with other followers of Christ because you'll lose your grounding. And you can't make that happen the moment you hit rejoice or weep. I'm going to say this carefully, but I want this said. A whole lot of people want the church to step in and immediately become intimate and connected with them as soon as they hit the moments when they most need others. And the idea in the community of Christ is that you were building it all along. Now, the church will respond and be loving. But if we're in community, that's when you tap in. So encourage one another on to love and good deeds. Spur one another on. Persevere. Who else is going to say this to you if we're not talking to each other, right? In the most difficult of times or the best of times. So yes, dead on and to your point. And so we've been asking questions and figuring out how to pray like Jesus. And a lot of these questions are moving from theology and lessons that Jesus gave us right into practice in life. So you've learned some things here. God's already stirred some things in you. Now, we haven't answered all your questions, but here's what you know. God's encouraging you to go to your next level of prayer. Now, God's been inspiring us, right, everybody? Come on, God's been inspiring us, and, and he's been inspiring you to pray like Jesus. If you knew what Jesus knew, you'd pray like Jesus prayed. So figure out, what is your next in prayer? Don't compare it to anybody else's. What is your next in prayer? And go work it out. Get in a small group. Ask better questions. Learn from each other. Mostly, learn from God. And as I turn the service over to the campus pastors, we want to pray that God helps you get to your next level. So right here at Central, let's bow our heads and let's pray together. So Father, thank you for the fact that you're not some distant deity far off, that you're our Father in heaven. For many of us, that might be the most profound thing we, we learned in this series and we're leaning into in this series, that you are our Father. You're active, you're present, you're vocal. You care for us. God, you're in the details of our life. God, I, I, I don't know where the next is for each individual in this room and, and what it means for them to engage with you more intentionally in prayer. But God, for many of us, it might be the pretense. There's stuff that's a mess in our world that we've not brought to God yet, we've not repented of. And maybe today that's just something under our breath we're whispering back to you, God, would you forgive me for this? I wanna, I wanna feel close to you again. Although, God, you don't distance yourself from me, I feel distant when there's, when there's pretense between us, God. God, I pray that you would kill pretense in our relationship with you, allow us to be real with you and honest with you. And God, as we pray and as we engage you, would we experience your presence more real? Would you give us guidance and direction we've never experienced before, God? Would there be power in the way that we pray? Because God, there's no one like you. We are so grateful to be called your kids and we're so grateful to be able to call you dad. In your heavenly name, amen and amen.